That's why we're here, to seek out the Tok'ra. Assuming, of course, you are the Tok'ra. What if we're not? Well, I guess we all start shooting. There's blood, death, hard feelings, it'd suck. And if we are this thing you call Tok'ra? If you are indeed the Tok'ra of Jaffa legend, we should form an alliance. I learned a lot from Jalinar. Enough to know that we could be good friends. And frankly, enough to know that you are the Tok'ra. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we're doing a double feature and talking about Season 2, Episodes 11 and 12, The Tok'ra, Parts 1 and 2. Actually, it's just Tok'ra, according to TV Guide. Well, TV Guide lies. I believe that, since it took me a really long time to actually be able to write down the synopses, uh, because I kept getting stupid pop-up ads. Ugh. On my phone. Gross. Yes, it was very gross. I don't like TV Guide very much. Speaking but of those TV Guide synopses, what are I was I was leading into it, you know? I was getting there. And then you just, you just come along and you're like, give me the synopsis. I'm like, I'm trying to. But you're like, nah, give it. Jeez. You know what? You don't even deserve the synopsis. But our listeners do. A dream leads Carter and the team on a mission to form an alliance with the Tok'ra, an alien group rebelling against the Gould. And in the conclusion, Carter's father agrees to become a host for Etokra in order to form an alliance with the aliens, but a mutual enemy threatens the plan. I mean, okay. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say that the dream leads to them wanting an alliance so much as the dream leads to the Tok'ra and the very nature of the Tok'ra, which is to be, say that they are against Ra. Of course. Tok'ra. Tok'ra. Toke Ra against, against Ra. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Is a natural stepping off point for an alliance. Yes. The Stargate Wiki has Captain Samantha Carter's visions of the former Jolinar of Mulkshire lead her and SG-1 to a planet where several Tokra are hiding. They attempt to form an alliance which isn't going well. Meanwhile, Carter's father, Jacob, is dying from his lymphoma. And then part two is SG-1's only hope for Jacob Carter to survive and to ensure the Tauri-Tokra alliance is a success is for Jacob to undergo an implantation of the Tokra Selmak. Meanwhile, their base is exposed to the Gould via an operative on the inside, putting everyone's lives in great danger. Oh, sorry. I thought there was going to be another meanwhile thrown in there. It just seemed like they had like two or three. At least two. There may have been a third meanwhile. Well, there was a, there was one meanwhile in each one. Okay, okay. And I feel like the synopsis should at least at the very le- should at the very least explain a little bit about who the Tok'ra are. But in both synopses they just drop Tok'ra as if 
the reader is supposed to know who that is. The synopsis from TV Guide. With the Tok'ra, an alien group rebelling against the Gould. Yeah, I meant the Stargate Wiki ones, both of them. Ah, okay. So, these episodes were both written by Jonathan Glasner, who is very important for SG-1. He's one of the co-creators of the series, was involved in the show throughout its run. Wasn't he a famous writer from Star Trek Voyager? (laughs) He did provide a story idea for one episode of Voyager, yes. And it was directed by Brad Turner, who has directed a lot of TV. If you look look at him on IMDb, he's just done a bunch of different TV shows since the 80s. And he, interestingly enough, has directed several episodes of seasons 1 through 3 of SG-1 and Atlantis. Oh, and then he just, like... Stops directing things after the, like, like, once it gets after the third season of any given show. Maybe. Maybe that's his thing. Uh, at least with SG-1 and Atlantis, which is, it's very interesting because there's a huge time gap between season three of SG-1 and season one of Atlantis. Right. Well, maybe, maybe he only likes signing three-year contracts and he is really interested in shaping the direction of a show, but not interested in, like, maintaining it. That's possible. Kind of like people who are really great at like running a political campaign, but not necessarily really great about governing. So his directing for season one is well, it's uh, it's a. I guess he averages to mediocre because he directed oh. both. He, he directed Thor's hammer and he okay. directed Hathor. Okay, I didn't have a problem with the direction of Hathor. Mm, did, did the direction involve the flaming water? And the purple dust. Wow. Maybe I did have a problem with the direction of Hathor. Honestly, I don't know anymore. It involves, like, camera placement and, you know, like, how things are delivered and things like... But I don't know what everyone's job is, honestly. Yeah, same here. Maybe someone can explain it to me one day. Maybe something that, like, cannot be explained but can only be experienced. I know that on a TV show... An executive producer may or may not be an important thing. It could be one of the most important people on the show, or it could be someone that does nothing at all. Whereas with a movie, it's more likely that they do nothing at all but give money. Right. Right. Uh, But anyway, Brad Turner did, in season two, did both Tok'ra episodes and Touchstone, which we haven't gotten to yet, but I recall is quite good. I enjoy Touchstone. I know the names of some things, but generally I don't know names. And... Our foreign language titles for this one are pretty boring. In every language except Italian, it's just the Tok'ra. And in Italian, it's symbiosis. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, that there's works. no exciting German title. Hmm, but oh well. Anyway, Stuart, what do you remember about this episode? A fair amount. I remember, you know, this introducing to Selmak. Uh, I... <laughs> I remember the crystal caves and that they were grown. That was, uh, I don't know why that stuck out in my head. I remember that there was a spy. I did not remember Discount Susan Sarandon. Mm, Yeah. I mean, honestly, a fair amount happens in this episode, but not much happens in this episode. (laughs) What do you remember? Uh, Most of it. The only part that I had completely forgotten i had forgotten that the gold jumps hosts okay that 
I had forgotten that the spy then becomes another spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why when when he killed himself via tunnel collapse, I was like, wow, that ended conveniently easily. Like, way too easily. And then I'm like, oh, that's why it ended easily. Well, it's not like the second ending was much more complicated. Yeah, I still had... It still felt a little weak. Uh, yeah, do the Tok'ra not have, like, satchels? What, why was she just going down... I mean, I guess maybe that ghoul, like, had forgotten that Jack had seen her... Had seen them with the box that made me think of... Uh, what are those... Uh, gems called in skyrim you know there's like 30 of them scattered throughout the game oh the stones of stones of something i think yeah that's it yeah yeah that that's what uh the little box did look like that didn't yeah anyway so maybe the ghoul forgot that jack had seen them with the the you know uh com ball of jaren's and long-range communications device yeah it needs a snappier name or we could just keep calling it ghoul tv Ooh, That's what I have in my notes. TV. I call it a comball. So my thought on that is, if the Tok'ra have no doors, then that was pretty ballsy of Kordesh just to like walk into that room and pull it out. Anybody could have seen him. Gross. <laughs> well, I mean, yes, that would also be pretty ballsy. <laughs> I didn't actually intend a pun there, but that was bad. Did it take you a while, like, what was your, like, chuckle when you realized ten seconds later that you had punned? <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Okay. Well, a lot of that sounds is getting cut out, but not my comment about the ten seconds. Okay, so we opened the show with a previously on Stargate SG-1, but without Teal telling us. Previously on Stargate SG-1. I know, right? What was up with that? Which we do get when we hit part two, so clearly... We could have had double the Christopher Judge, and mm. they just they just robbed us of it. Yeah. I was also, since, you know, we're pretty invested in every minor detail of Stargate in our rewatch here, I was yes. really hoping for a, for a, you know, skip recap button when that came up. <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't, uh, Hulu doesn't offer that. Neither do DVDs. Well, yeah, but with DVDs, you, like, skip to the next chapter, or does it, like... I tried that, but it went all the way to the end of the theme. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, it went past the theme. Goodness. I can't even... They don't even have a chapter marker at the end of the theme on that's just, the DVDs. Man, that, that that's just sloppy uh, chapter work there. Yeah. There's a real paucity of chapters on DVDs. Blu-ray is better, but... Sometimes DVDs have decent chapters. Oh, DVD movies usually do have done by scenes but i find a lot of times with tv shows it's just like every 10 minutes or something uh, yeah it's like well here's here's four chapters we're just gonna we're just gonna drop in four chapters roughly 10 minutes apart yeah i do know on 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 blu-rays you are right they are often better i know for example i know from definite personal experience that the star trek enterprise blu-rays do have a chapter marker at the end of the theme for which i am eternally grateful yeah no kidding <laughs> Okay, so, back to Stargate. Yes. Like, actually watching it, not just, like, talking about watching it. Mm -hmm. Jack is this, like, huge skeptic when it comes to... Everything? Yes. But in, in this episode, Sam's visions or memories or whatever 
that she had gotten from Jolinar. And it, uh-huh. like, it, it feels like Jack is playing the Scully here because it's like, dude, you, as Sam tells us later, you guys go to other planets a couple of times a week. Parallels I was drawing because of our work on our other podcast, Delta Flyer, was Neelix and Kess without some of the creepiness. How about without any of the creepiness? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, outside of, like, Broca Divide, there's basically never any creepiness between Jack and Sam. Yeah, okay, you're right. It's a professional relationship. Yeah. Well, there was So I Can Do This, but that wasn't really creepy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, time loop. Let's do the time loop again. No. (laughs) And it's time warp, silly Billy. Uh, Did you notice that uh, Jack, Daniel, and Sam were all wearing hats, and they were all completely different kinds of hats? I definitely noticed Daniel's hat, and Jack's always wearing a hat. Okay, Jack and Sam were both wearing baseball hats, but Jack's was like a olive brown, and okay. Sam's was black. Okay, I completely missed Sam's hat. And then, yeah, Daniel's wearing the floppy hat. I, I kind of wish that Teal'c was wearing a fedora or something. <laughs> he can't wear that in the field. Helmet. Teal'c could pull it off in the field. Uh, I did notice... This is why I happen to notice that Daniel was wearing his hat. Uh, when they first are introduced to Selmak and Rusha? Sharush. Sharush. I don't remember. Subrush. Sarush, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel takes his hat off, or like, well, because it's on a, has a little neck strap thing, uh, you know, puts it back behind his head. I guess, like, out of respect or something. Because they've been indoors for a while now, and he hadn't taken his hat off yet. So it wasn't, like, an indoors thing. Right. Yeah, no, it was more of a respectful sort of thing. Yes. And then we immediately cut to Jack, who very steadfastly does not take off his hat. Jack has no respect for no ghouls. Well, right, because they're all ghouls, and they're all evil. What do they call them later? The greasy ghouls? Greasy-assed ghouls. I have that marked down as well, because what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> also, did you notice that the Toker pronounced it Gaud? They have a hard time on this show deciding how they're going to pronounce words. That's a, that's one we haven't seen before, I don't think, though. Or heard before, I should say. Well, maybe not like as frequently, but Tauri, Tori, Jaffa, Yaffa, Jaffa, etc., I think we're finally done saying goulds, though. Yes, I think, unless we are actually literally talking about a gag of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I definitely noticed, and this was the actual gould in disguise that was saying, we are not gould. So he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> And he can't pronounce his own species. So here's the thing that gets me about this. Every time they get, like, real insistent, no, we're not Gould, they, like, switch voices and do the eye-flashy thing. And it's like, guys... <laughs> You're not selling it. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> like, which I do appreciate Jack, like, explicitly calling out. Like, well, then why do you keep doing Gould stuff? So speaking of the Tokra symbiotes and the hosts... Yeah? Do you find it interesting that... They all pretty much go by their symbiote name, except Martouf. Hmm. I had not picked up on that. So I haven't had any time to think if I think it's strange or not. Okay. Yes, I think it's a little strange. I wonder if that is because, for all of them that aren't Martouf, the symbiote's going to be around longer. Hmm. Although, 
I think that they could have take they could have uh, borrowed a page from Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and done like some sort of like hybrid combined name. I was definitely getting a bit of a trill vibe here. But with the trill, there's never a time when Jadzia is Jadzia and Dax is Dax. Whilst they are Jadzia Dax, it's not right. You know the trill goes into Jadzia's body and. They become one unified. Yeah, yeah, there is a difference, but it, it, yeah, the, like, there's no way to like flip a switch on Jadzia Dax. But it is still similar. It is similar, and so I think maintaining the two separate names is important. I mean, obviously the voice gives it away, but also it's two identities still. But you're right; it is a little weird that the symbiotes. Yeah, the, the, most of them go by the symbiote name, but I think it might be largely because the symbiote's going to be go through se- seven or eight hosts. Or, I mean, I guess, how long do Gould live? Like the like, how long does the symbiote live? Like, is it indefinite? Is it effectively? No, they do die eventually. Yeah, I'm thinking. But I mean, um, like, if they can be with a host for like two hundred years. I mean, spoilers! If you've been watching the show throughout but does die yeah and it was i believe i it, it, i'm not i'm 90 percent sure that they say that when that it happens, was just, Jacob just their says time it's just old age okay so 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 the symbiote can go through senescence yeah and if we think about um in season six when we meet the the queen that's been making the Tritonin. Season six symbiote senescence. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Also, speaking of queens, if hey, the symbiotes have yeah. no genders, what about the queens? <laughs> well, yeah. That's a good question. Well, maybe queen's just a word they use. Mmm. That's possible. But we do. But we did get our answer of do ghouls have gender? Yeah. No. The answer is no. He was a she. What? You're kidding. Well, actually, that is inaccurate. The symbiote does not have a gender. Unless the answer is yes. Martouf told us. The symbiote does not have a gender. Yeah, I know, but... They have gender. They they do not have gender. They may have host gender preference. Mm. But that does not imply that the ghoul itself has gender. Right, but biologically, how does the queen work then? I think we need our biologist to chime in again. I think we need our biologist to chime in on this one to tell it to tell us if that makes any sense at all. Marcus, if you're listening to this, feel free to write in again, and I promise I won't I won't accuse you of making up words this time. Don't promise things. That... I actually no. I'm sorry. I can't make promises. I can't keep. I may still accuse you of making up words. When Hammond and Sam are talking towards the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, just after Sam uh, like got got off the phone with her dad, yep. As she's as she's leaving, Hammond says, "You know, oh hey, and Carter." And then, like just in the background, before she can respond, you hear someone say, "Yes, sir." I Which I thought was kind of funny. Missed that, but yeah, cool. All right, jerk. Anyway, no, no, that's a neat little aside. I, I so so I so you're the only that. one allowed to bring like the like the fun facts in the background jibber jabber. Is is that how is this how is that how that works? <laughs> that's not what I meant at all. It sounds like that's what you meant. Speaking of fun facts, 
Oh, now they're fun. <laughs> this is the first time that we have a new CGI ring animation for the show. Previously, they had just been reusing footage from the movie. Speaking of reusing footage from the movie, mm-hmm. when the Death Glider uh, turns on its super staff, it's actually the super staff from Abydos. <laughs> nice. Thank you. We never see the Stargate dialing, so I don't know if they actually dialed Abydos <laughs> or not. Well, you mean from the SGC. Right. Speaking of dialing from the SGC, why is not Walter wearing a lab coat? <sighs> why is there not Walter at all? That's fair. Speaking of dialing the Stargate. Yes. How is it that there's no visual indicator of whether it's an inbound or outbound wormhole? Like, I kind of feel like like, like, like the Kawoosh should go a different direction based on whether it's inbound or outbound or something. Flush sideways the other way, yeah. Yeah. Or, like, like okay, so this is definitely 100% knowledge that we already know that you, that they only work one way Mm -hmm. i think we already know that do we ever a hundred percent get told this we definitely get told it later this season definitely in the black hole episode okay okay then okay so so this is out that they 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 suddenly find out that gravity can go both that like uh, gravity can go both ways but nothing else can and radio transmissions right yeah do you think a constant enough radio transmission could leave a wormhole open for the full 38 minutes? I don't think so. Okay. There are ways to invisibly keep the wormhole open for the full 38 minutes. Yeah. If you have one of those devices. Yeah, one of them things. Mm. Or gravity waves. Or you stick the gate underwater. Yes, but that's not invisible. Like, water's trying to rush through, and if they hadn't closed the iris, water would be rushing through. Ooh, good point. Yeah, so that's why I was thinking radio waves, but... Yeah. I don't think radio waves would, but I could be wrong. I'm not a Stargateologist. If you are a Stargateologist, don't reach out to us because you'll be breaking your your top-secret classification. Speaking of Stargateologists, I was kind of hoping that at the very end there, when... Discount Susan Sarandon. I can't remember what her name is because every time I heard it, I'm like, "That's missing a that's missing a syllable or a letter or something." Like you guys did a weird thing to her name. I don't like it at all. It was Garshaw. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, something like that. And I feel like it shouldn't have been that. It should have been something else. Uh, Anyway, when they had commented that, like, "Oh, you built a DHD for yourself," like how clever. I kind of wish someone, but like, yeah, no, Sam did it. Like her, all her, basically. And I guess maybe Rodney McKay was involved? Speaking of Garshaw, I have some egg on my face. You remember when we talked, when we first met Joel and R, and I said none of the Tok'ra are ever X of Y? Right. Garshaw is Garshaw of Balut. Hmm. I was wrong. Speaking of faces, Mm -hmm. when I did enjoy the bit when Jacob and... Selmax uh, slash Sarush first meet. You don't look so good. You are no vision of beauty yourself, sir. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. You notice that Jacob never actually answered whether he was a good man or not. I did notice that. Probably because in the same way that once Selmax gets inside his head, he's going to become privy to all of the ghoul atrocities. Selmax yeah. going to become tri- privy to 
any given atrocities that Jacob may have unfortunately been involved with. Right. Because speaking of eggs, one cannot make an omelet without cracking a few. Mm. And what is a good man anyway? I don't. I don't have a. I don't have an answer for that. Exactly. Like philosophically, what makes someone good? Not being bad. Nailed it. <laughs> like I. I don't know if I could answer if I'm a good person. I like would like to be. Doesn't necessarily mean I am one. Yeah, I think wanting to be or trying to be or like keeping it in mind is like a solid first step at the you know. Hmm. Like, it's like it, you know, it's not the only qualification, but it's like, oh well, I mean, this is something that like crosses your mind from time to time. Like, would this make me a good person? Like, that's that's it. That that's an important bullet point. Sure, but that's not enough. Like, because you can still want to be a good person and still be a terrible person. Yeah, sure, but you know, you got that first check mark down. Hmm. But that is a little bit of field. Yes, I mean a little. So we get Colonel Makepeace again. Yeah, that's what I have written down. Oh, hey, Makepeace is back. Yeah, and you know he's being all Makepeacey. I thought it was interest. I thought it was uh, sort of interesting that uh, and nice that. We saw that, like, Makepeace had decided that, hey, we'll just help them evacuate instead of just leaving. I thought that was a, that was a good call on his part. Yes. Yeah. I also uh, liked when when we first encountered the Tok'ra, who I hadn't realized uh, until the second watch through, and I went back and double-checked, and I'm pretty sure that I have this right, that they never actually identified themselves as the Tok'ra. Until, like, well into the episode when we meet Garshaw. Yeah. Sam just basically assumes they're the Tok'ra. Well, she knows they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and, and that's what our heroes keep saying. It's stuff like, well, we assume you're the Tok'ra, you are the Tok'ra, we're here to see the Tok'ra, etc., etc. But none of them ever actually acknowledge it until they get to Garshaw, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, before they meet Garshaw, when they're being taken into the Crystal Caves... Mm-hmm. And they're told to relinquish their weapons. Jack's note of... Okay. But I want it understood that we're doing this in the spirit of future relations. I expect us to be treated as such. Yeah. yeah I, know the me- I know the scene you're talking about. And then Jack gave us a nice literary reference by calling it a Faustian deal with, between he the did. host and the symbiote. He then explained yeah. what a Faustian deal was, which I kind of wish he hadn't. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. Have you read Faust? No. Neither have I. All I know of Faust comes from Wishbone, actually. <laughs> That's all I know of a, of a handful of things. <laughs> For those who did not grow up in the 90s, Wishbone was a contemporary show of Stargate SG-1, actually. Uh, it was a PBS children's show with a dog who acted out various classical classic literature books. I think it was John Mulaney had a whole bit about the absurdity of Wishbone mm-hmm. because it's live action. So you have this like live action, like Beagle. I think it's a Beagle. Uh, it was, I like, thought it was it, a terrier of some sort. doesn't matter. You have a live action dog and all these live action humans and they're all in costume for whatever book they're discussing. So if they're like discussing Robin Hood, then the dog is dressed like Robin Hood and everyone around him is dressed like the Merry Men or the Sheriff or whomever. So they're all in costume and all the humans are speaking and the, but the dog is not like, there's no 
like as I recall, there's no voice to the dog. I think it just barks. Does it bark or does it talk? I don't think it talks. The dog talks. Oh, never mind then. It's still pretty absurd. I I was remembering it as even more absurd where the dog doesn't talk and every, but everyone else does. But I'm one way or another, they do not acknowledge that the dog 90% is a dog. sure the dog talks. Okay, we're going to take a brief interlude here. Please remain on the line as we value your call. I watched a clip from The Time Traveler, and the dog does talk but does not move his mouth. He was a Jack Russell Terrier, by the way. Okay. Well, that settles that. So it's slightly less weird than I remember. But like I said, no one acknowledges that he's a dog. Yeah. And he does occasionally bark, too. There are scenes where he does bark. Right, and no one's like, why is this human barking? It's not like that. Yeah, it's it's very strange, listeners. But look it up. I'm sure that you can find decent length clips or even full episodes online, maybe even on PBS's website. Who knows? You can watch the entirety of Wishbone on YouTube. Excellent. But this is not the Wishbone podcast. This is Stargate Weekly. It is. Where we talk about things like a plastic crisis. Which is a real thing. I looked that up too. Yes. And and it can happen because of a liver condition as well. I also looked that up. Yes. Uh, It is another term for reticulocytopenia. I did not Uh, look that up. Reticulocytes, which I'm butchering so reticulocytes are immature or like just made red blood cells and if you don't have enough of them that's bad apparently and puts you into a plastic crisis and that's not a plastic as in a singular one but a plastic meaning i guess i think in this instance plastic means like being flexible and a plastic would be unflexible i'm really that part i didn't look up was like what the word a plastic means mm. yeah i didn't either i mean it would mean against not plastic but i don't know what plastic means right i think in an engineering sense for something to be plastic is for it to be like flexible or pliable or you know that it moves without like, like it's not hinged but it moves you know like a like a rubber hose is plastic, as is a plastic one. But even like a <laughs> but e- but even like a wooden stick could be considered plastic because it can like bend. Yeah. So the Tokra's big thing is yeah okay I guess we could be we could be allies with you even though you totally suck. Oh wait you blew up two Hatoks maybe you don't suck. Oh no wait you blew up those two Hatoks you killed a bunch of our followers you do suck. Oh uh, well. They're threatening your home world. I guess you don't suck. The, they go back and back and back and forth with it. And they ultimately, it ultimately boils down to, but you don't want another entity living inside of your body and your brain. Therefore, you'll never accept us so we can't be allies. Yeah. Plus, there's... um. I liked how, yeah, when they first, when they find out they destroyed the Hatoks that had Tok'ra operatives, like, we didn't know why those were destroyed. Now we know that they had been sent to attack Earth. It's like, some operatives you had on those things that weren't even telling you what was going on. Well, maybe this is a situation similar to Star Wars, where galaxy-wide instantaneous communication is not evenly distributed. Maybe they have no, there is no secure way of doing it. Right, because in the second half... Because the long-range communications devices are not secure. Yeah, 
and I have to wonder, like, what, like, we, we don't ever hear the ghoul talking about security a whole lot. It feels yeah. like they're pretty backwards on that front. Yeah. It's also strange that the humans are the only ones to come up with the iris, for example, like... Well, the ancients did, but yes. Well, yes. This is clearly their version of an iris. The ancients will have, in the past, done it. Yes. 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 All of this. <laughs> oh, man, that gets complicated. Wibbly wobbly. Indeed. So, it just feels like it comes across weird that it's like, oh, well, none of you four are going to volunteer to be hosts, so we can't be allies. Yeah. I mean, I can kind of see the, the the it's the fact that they consider that apparently they view it as the humans think that being a Tok'ra host is disgusting cuz they they use the word distasteful certainly. Yeah. So I can kind of see that, but yeah. I, I mean, and obviously even the first time I watched this I could see that this was going to be resolved with Jacob becoming a gold host. Or Tokra host, I should say. Right, because why else would they re-reference him and make him get really sick really fast? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, especially like in light of everything else going on in the episode, it wasn't like, and now we decided to kill off Jacob already. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I agree, but they, they sort of, I guess, had to set that up so that... No, they actually didn't have to set it up that way. They still could have ended up having Jacob becoming a... Uh, Tokra host without the Tokra being so standoffish. Right, because that's the whole hang-up, is that the Tokra are very standoffish because it's like, like we have met four of your people. They never mention, oh, and by the way, there's another six billion of us back on our planet. We're just the four first ones that you've met. But it's like... Oh, right, 90s. There were only six billion. They meet four of the Tauri, these particular four one of whom has already had a symbiote in them. Uh, three, really, because Teal'c can't have a ghoul in him. He already has a ghoul somewhere else in him. Okay, so 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 Teal'c cannot be, uh, like, a like a symbiote can't... I think that's been established okay, okay, at some yeah, point. Yeah. It may not... Okay, I I think it will have been established. You, 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 you said three of them. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because I was busy talking about Sam being one of them having already had a host, and then you cut me off to say three of them. I meant there were only th three Tauri. But, yeah. But anyway, they meet, fine, three of them, one of whom doesn't want a symbiote in their head again, and the other two are like, uh, I'm not crazy about this. And they're like, well, I guess we can't work with the Tauri at all then. Yeah, it also seems weird that when Makepeace shows up, and, I mean, obviously wasn't, like, being threatening or anything, Garshaw immediately assumes it's some sort of treachery. Well, they're very... They only live underground, in caves that they can build and destroy at will. I, uh, I, I can't... Their whole culture is built around secrecy and living on the run. Alright, that's fair. And they're more than willing to extrapolate, uh an opinion about an entire group of people based on only interacting with three of them. So if now all of a sudden there's twice as many of them. Yeah. Okay. I did enjoy, uh, not really related apropos of nothing. I did enjoy when Jack mentions the Gould TV, when Garshaw goes Tokra Cree. Oh, yes. And there was something else I wanted to mention about the, 
Oh, why don't the Toker have recruiters out there? Good question. If their whole problem is finding hosts, there are however many planets and star, you know, however many stargates are scattered across the galaxy. Yeah. Behind each of them is usually. How do they find hosts in the first place? But it's not a primordial world. Why was there a Stargate on a primordial world? Anyway, just pop over to the village, find a villager with above average intelligence, explain the scenario, recruit them. You get long life, but here's the catch. You will never get sick. Back to the catch. It's a doozy, Jacob. I won't lie to you on that. (laughs) <laughs> Watch out for that step. It's a doozy. <laughs> I think you think you're referencing Roger Rabbit. I think I think I'm referencing Groundhog Day. Ah. Yes. Why would I what? <laughs> when he steps off the elevator. Uh, or steps into the elevator, which is actually Well that's like, just mind the step, sir. sir. Yes. <laughs> Your floors, sir. <laughs> When we're when we're meeting the the Tokra Council, uh huh, Grand Council, I two, thought it was just Council. I thought they had thrown like the word Grand in there somewhere. Uh, oh no, maybe Garshaw is like the Grand High Council, High Council, and she's like the Grand Marshal or something. Is she's she? Grand. She's Grand. Yeah. Anyway, Grand Council. Uh, yes, she was the Grand Council of the High Council. That's not confusing at all. Not even a little bit. Does she get two votes? Do they all get two votes? Mm, that's a- you'd think they should, right? Like, and what's what's the tiebreaker if, like, if it were to ever come before the council that well, we have this new scenario, but it's going to do something terrible to the host but the symbiotes will be completely fine if i mean the reason they are tokra is because they don't think like gould or if they do they suppress that because everyone everyone thinks that way at times you just like don't act on it you know everyone's like if i ruled the world um and it's not like very few people would be like if i ever ruled the world everyone gets a puppy unless they're allergic because then, because the, then we wouldn't want to do that to them anyway. Or would we? <laughs> right, exactly. They might have that secondary thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if it ever came up to to a situation where all the symbiotes are like would would vote one when all the hosts would vote the other, how do you resolve that? Do they have like, yeah, I, I don't know. How do you resolve that? Do they get two votes? Is the first question. Like, like, can each council person only vote once? Both entities inside, like, come to an accord? Like, I'm very confused by this. And secondly, one of them, the one who, into whom, the, I'm just gonna say it was Ash in the Ashrack again. I don't, I don't care that he died last time. Interestingly, he has a name on the wiki, but I don't remember him ever, them ever giving his name. Ash in the Ashrack jumps at the end who's carrying the com ball of uh i mean kordesh was the name of the tokra but according no, to the second one oh yeah I, the second one i don't think was ever given a name anyway they make the point that they are an illegal resistance group i'm just wondering how many legal resistance groups exist within you know the larger gould community mm, i did think about that myself 
Is there a Gould First Amendment? No, there isn't a Gould First Amendment. No. The First Amendment is honor your God, Gould. The Second Amendment is see the First Amendment. I don't think those are amendments. Those were probably there from the beginning. Those are the commandments, not amendments. Yeah. Yeah. So when Martouf finds out that Jolinar's host has died, Mm -hmm. he clearly didn't know at this time that Jolinar's host had died before Sam even met them because he had already jumped host once. Right. Which he did, he does then later find out when, when he and Sam wander off into the desert. It doesn't seem to phase him though. He just sort of smiles and is like, Oh, okay. Must have jumped hosts. Oh, the second time around. Yeah. When he finds uh, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second yeah. I guess at that point he had already accepted that they were dead, so Right, because the when because you know when he first found out that the Jolinar's host was dead, he was pretty torn up about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my only other comment is my perennial complaint about rank pips. <laughs> On uh, Stargate, it's about the Stargate and things happening when the wormhole's not engaged. Why are they waiting for an IDC before they have dialed out? Why is the alarm going? Why is the iris closed? I thought I saw shimmeriness happening behind the iris. I was my I was taking that as them having left the gate open after uh half of SG1 or I guess most of SG1. We see the we see the gate with the iris. Cl- yep. Okay. We see the gate with the iris. The the chevrons are lit up. So yes, the gate is active. I don't necessarily see shimmery, but I see the chevrons lit up. Maybe that's uh, what I was thinking of then. And not Walter says no SG-1 signal. Then we immediately cut to them running up to the Stargate with it not engaged. Them being Sam Carter, uh, Sam, Jacob, and Martouf. Correct. Hmm. Okay. Then they dial, and we cut back to the SGC, and not Walter says there's the signal. Which sort of implies that the gate was active this whole time on the SGC end. Okay. Yes, I had thought the no SG uh, no SG one signal was a little bit earlier than that, just before Selmac woke up again. Gotcha. Okay. I understand where you're coming from now. Yeah. But I said not to look at anything, and you said you weren't looking at anything, but you were reviewing the footage the whole time. <laughs> I only started reviewing the footage after you had, after I, you said something that I disagreed with. So, like, my third word. <laughs> I was not reviewing the footage when you started talking. All right. I believe you. This time. This your Tommy gun? <laughs> no. Uh-oh. Well, then I better get down on my knees and tell you I love you. Well, you better tell me something, because I'm all out of notes on this one. I did have one thing. That gold that went from the person whose name I've forgotten into Jacob... Uh, Sarush. Sarush, Sarush, Sa- yes. Sarush. Yes. Uh, it looks like a juvenile gold. It looks like the, the one that Teal carries around. Not like the adult with the fin on its back. Hmm. I guess I wasn't looking that closely. Maybe that's a Tokra gold thing? Maybe... Yeah, like maybe the... I don't know. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, just interesting little side note that there. That's all. Sure. Are, are you sure... You're out of notes this time, because the last time you said you were out of notes, and then you had more notes. I'm all out of notes. 
I'm so lost without them. Well, I mean, if you're out of notes and I'm out of notes, then we're all out of this episode. Yeah. Be sure to join us again next week. We'll be talking about Spirits, Season 2, Episode 13. Thanks for listening this week. If you enjoyed us, you should check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find and review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. And you can find the show on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah.